We, um, this morning we're going to do something slightly different um, in that we have uh, kind of come to the end of our series. So this is the final one in our series on the kind of everyday you, just really trying to understand uh, what, what, what it looks like. And uh, we started at the very beginning with First uh, uh, Peter um, and those verses where Peter starts at the beginning that says, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces. And... Um, as, uh, as God's people kind of in the world, we find ourselves, so 6%, I think we looked at, of people who regularly go to church, regular worshippers uh, of God. Um, and uh, that seems like a small number. We gather here on a Sunday as God's chosen people, as God's kind of elect, as it were. And yet we are then scattered. We're scattered into our world through the week as salt and light as his representatives in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, uh, in, our, in our jobs, in all the different ways that we do that, um, whatever our front line is, as we discussed. And then we also were reminded of this verse in Genesis where it says, surely the Lord was in this place and uh, we were not aware of it. And we applied that to um, our front lines and our workplaces and looked again at the reality that God is with us in those situations. Uh, so often, you know, where we find ourselves on Monday at 11 o'clock, you know, we, we live as practical atheists. Um, you know, we, we have got God on a Sunday, but we kind of leave him at the door to the office on a Monday. Um, and so we're kind of exploring what that means. And I've always been struck by this uh, quote by Emil Brunner that says, the Christian community has a specific task to regain the lost sense of work as that divine calling um, that we've just heard about. And so I've invited four illustrious people this morning from all different walks of life just to come and explore what that looks like in their lives. So can we have a big welcome to Stan, Shelley, Gregor and Joe. So um, I really want to just start really with you guys, um, maybe from, oh, we'll start at this end, we'll start with Stan. Just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about what you do. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Um, my name is Stan. Um, I'm a chef. I'm a husband of one wife and one father of a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have my own business, which I run as a cafe. And um, it's one of the best jobs because I get to do what I really want to do. Um, it also helps me to create and make people happy and I think that is a really good thing to do. Fantastic. Shelley, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, my name's Shelley. I'm married to Dermot and we have six boys. Um, I work at the QE on a haematology ward and in oncology outpatients um, full time. Brilliant, fantastic. Um, I'm Gregor. Um, I'm a dad to two children, Jessica and Jamie, um, husband to Kirsty. Um, Monday to Friday, I work for Jaguar Land Rover, um, so spend my time between the West Midlands, where we engineer and develop cars, to manufacturing cars in Liverpool, and also manufacturing cars in Austria. So spend quite a lot of time travelling around lots of different places. Um, so that's me. Brilliant, fantastic. I'm Joe. so I'm uh, married to Andy, who's the youth worker here. So one of my roles is wife of the youth worker, it's a very specific role. <laughs> um, uh, I'm obviously mum to three kids, um, and then I work three days a week here, and I have done 13 years, so I'm one of the like proper oldies in the staff team here. 
Here at Queensbridge. Here at Queensbridge, I'm head of music. So I get to do lots of playing all the time, which is lovely, with lots of different children. And there's probably lots of uh, people here who are either mums and dads and kids who I've taught and colleagues who I work with. So, yeah. So, Joe, tell us a time or a way in which you've kind of seen your Christian faith expressed, your character had to be expressed in some way on your front line. What does that look like in your, in your day job? Okay. Um, I think here... Um, constantly, obviously, as a teacher, anyone who's a teacher, anyone who works, you know, in sort of with people, um, it's so important that we are constantly um, expressing all of those fruits of the spirit that are mentioned, um, but especially as a teacher, patience, love, kindness, all of those things are so massively important. Um, I've had times where I felt um, God really powerfully speak to me in a lesson about a certain child, um, just to show them a bit of love or care or attention or something. Um, or, or I've just generally, a lot of the kids have got so much going on at home or out of school that we might not know about, and they need just someone to be kind. It doesn't, doesn't matter whether we know or don't know what's going on, but just someone to be kind and caring and not to... Um, not to fly off the handle at them too quickly because sometimes there's a lot more going on. Um, so I think that's, yeah, yeah being patient. I'm going to go to Stan. So tell us, what does what expressing your Christian character look like as a chef and as a cafe uh, owner? I would say much is that about caring, love, um, because you get to meet so many people um, from all different walks of life and... It's about um, entertaining angels in a way you don't know who you're going to meet. And because you're in the business, you, you want customers also. But also you get to know them in a deeper sense because you have to know your customer to actually give them what they want. So it's a really unique position where I am in. Um, it helps me to also minister to them because once you get um, close to someone, yeah. then you feel free to open up to them. So. They come and you have, um, I think all my customers and I are very close. I would like to feel that way because then um, it gives us a chance to communicate and knowing what they want. And people like to know that you know them by name. I try to um, know each of my customers by the name. Yeah. And um, so when a customer walk in and they said, I stand and I said, call them by the name, they would feel good to know that, oh, you remember my name and stuff like that. And also, then they will ask you other things about your life and where you're from and what you're doing here and stuff. So it opened up a whole lot of things for me. Yeah. So I think that my Christian faith helps me to um, also minister Christ to each one of them. Yeah. Great. Now, one of the things we've also explored, I'm going to come to Gregor next, is um, the whole idea of whatever we do in our work, we do it as to God. So what, what does good work look like uh, for you? Um, I mean, I've recently, um, I've recently taken over a, um, a new team. Um, so I've got a team of about um, 47 people now. Um, and a number of that team that I've taken over had been have come from a kind of management structure that used to just tell them what to do. Yeah. Yeah, they just used to kind of impart instructions and then leave them. Um, and I'm kind of working through some of the consequences of that now because the team are actually very cynical um, and they feel extremely let down. 
Um, so for me, you know, I guess I'm trying to bring a sense of um, kind of trust and, you know, I want to work with them. I want to try and serve them as a team. Um, and I guess my Christian faith, um, I want them to see that through the way I deal with them as a team. Um, and for them to see actually the team that they're part of, we're kind of all in this together. Um, it's, I guess a lot of you probably know, um, Jaguar Land Rover have been through a fairly difficult time in the last nine months. We just let two and a half thousand people go. Um, so there's an awful lot of people in the business are worried, concerned. Um, but we have an awful lot of positive things as well. So I guess I'm trying to bring that sense of calm and order into the team, but also, you know, encourage and develop them yeah. um, and do that through actually how is Jesus in my life different to them? How do they see me as different to the management they've maybe had in the past? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, brilliant. So moving along to Shelley, how would you answer the whole question of what does, what does a good work look like in your very different context? Um, working one-to-one -one with patients, whether it, be, whether it be taking a blood sample or whether it be cuddling somebody and making them feel secure while they pass away, um, they might be on their own, not have family, knowing that you, me, that I have done the best I can for that person, knowing that they are a child of God, um, whether they be a professor or a prisoner chained to their guards, at that moment in their life, they just need security, safety, and loving. Yeah, 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 okay. And... Um, how do you, just staying with Shelley for a minute, how, what about colleagues? So sometimes, like, um, Gregor talked about working with colleagues on that. In one sense, you're working with patients and all that you bring to them. The times when you've had to support other colleagues in what is quite a, must be a very difficult uh, role that you have. Um, there's two aspects to my job. There's the ward and then there's a the clinic. I've only been in clinic since February, so I'm still finding my feet and it's a very... It's quite a negative environment, um, so I'm finding my feet there. And somebody said to me on Friday, um, why are you nice to even people that are not nice? Are you, her words were, are you a Bible basher? <laughs> and, I, and I just smiled and said, I am actually. <laughs> I don't really agree with the term, but I am, and that does um, make me who I am. Um, in terms of on the ward, we are like family, we support each other. When something has happened that is absolutely unbearable, we, we're all from different faith backgrounds, but we all support each other emotionally. Yeah. And okay, so moving that similar sort of question, to, I'm gonna to come to Joe now. What about um, the interactions that you have with people at work? How have you managed to or find opportunities to support people that are going through really difficult things. Um, so obviously as a teacher, most, most of your time is very heavily timetabled. You don't really get loads of time to see colleagues. Um, so it's very rushed. Um, and also, um, I mean, I've, I've got two free periods a week. 
Um, so the list of what I need to do in those times is massive. I would never get through the list, even if I just did the list. But generally, I don't do the list because generally there's something happening in someone's life that actually needs me to, to not do the list. And I can do the list after school. I can do the list at home um, quite often. So, um, yeah, there's been a couple of situations just in the last six months where people have just needed to talk quite often. They haven't even needed me to say anything or do anything. They just needed to talk. And, um, and I've just got to put aside the fact that I really need to do about 100,000 things and just listen to them. Um, I've had said to me a few times, similar to Shelley, um, about positivity, and I'm sure that's God, you know, that he helps me to be positive even in the most ridiculous circumstances of pressure. Um, and that's been said to me several times from colleagues and from managers. Um, and the other thing that's been said to me a lot of times, which sometimes is really tricky, um, is that I'm always honest. Um, and sometimes that's really hard because people come to you and say, I know you'll be honest with me, so what do you think about this? And sometimes that, you know, it's difficult because you might be asked to put someone else into a difficult situation. You know, you might be asked to pass judgment on something which you don't want to get someone else into trouble or you don't, but you know, um, there's points at which we have to maybe put ourselves out and stand up for something that's right that isn't necessarily comfortable to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to. That's great. Specific. Yeah, yeah, no, that's one. That's yeah, that's great. Um, so going to Gregor. So I'm just thinking about some of you. There must be individuals at times where you've had to get alongside in as a as a team leader. Um, are there any situations that you can think of where you've been able to, had to exp, you know express grace and love to someone? Yeah. Again, I guess in the in the last um, in the last few months um, we've had yeah significant number of people left from the team. Yeah. Um, some of them have gone voluntary redundancy. Well, they've all gone voluntary, um, so that was a positive. But, but real, um, you can see a real challenge in them. So a number of people where I've come alongside as part of my team where, you know, on one hand, they know it's the right thing to do. Yeah, financially, everything stacks up. But you can also see them going, yeah, but what, what are they going to do? They see, they see it being the end of that point in their kind of working life. Um, and in some ways it's kind of a privilege to be with them on that journey um, and, and just try and yeah, listen to them, yeah, listen to what they have to say. Yeah. You know, I, can't, I can't offer them advice in particular, you know, yeah. but to, to, to be with them um, and, and hear what they have to say as they journey their way through that, you know, even up to the point where you know, they, they hand their passes over to you and drive out the gate for the last time. Yeah. You know, huge, um, you know, I guess the, guy, the, the, last, the last individual from my team that left, you know, he'd been there 43 years, mm. you know, yeah. hands his pass over and drives out the gate. Um, but, you know, I guess a privilege to see him on that roller coaster of emotions in that the right thing to do, not the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, what part did I play in that? I, I guess just trying to be with him, listen to him, yeah. Um, encourage them. Yeah. But also, you know, I'm meeting up with them again next week. You know, so just to try and keep that level of communication, and that although they, although a number of people have finished with the business, yeah. actually still to try and keep some connection. Um, they know a number of them know I'm a Christian. Don't 
necessarily talk about. It's not something that we get into long, meaning, you know, lots of conversation about. But um, I, I guess my prayer is that they know and see something different in me and that to continue that relationship, yeah. maybe something will come out of that. Yeah, okay, thanks. So just another whole area of um, difference we can make is, is the, the challenge of culture. So it's been touched on a little bit with the kind of positive negative, but just other aspects of culture, maybe organizational culture, um, family culture, um, society's culture, that we kind of, we, sometimes we, we, we can challenge or we can live differently. So Stan, how does that work out in, in your context? I think um, culture has been the most difficult part for me. Um, especially being here. Um, when you're from a country, an island, where there are only 13,000 people, you seem to know everybody, and more like family. So coming to this country had um, been really difficult to adapt because people are not receptive as you hoped or thought they would be. And um, also different languages and stuff. So it's kind of hard. I find it very difficult. But um, being in the kitchen also helps me to um, feel more easy to, to deal with the situation because then when you work in the kitchen, there's so much to know of, of um, chefs and you have most of the chefs that are um, not really English chefs. Okay. So it's easy because then all of you seems like the yeah, same yeah. because then they don't understand English properly. What, they don't, uh, yeah, yeah. And what's the working culture like? So what's the... It's really good. It's really good. The working culture is good, but um, to, you say something in your, and they don't understand you yeah. properly because they think that... Um, because you speak a different language. Yeah. And so they, you, they, they take it sometimes the wrong way. But like last week, I remember um, I had to say to one guy, I don't know if you understand that we are different. And if I say something, you may understand it differently. And if you say something, probably I may understand it. So we need to try to work to understand each other and be clear of what we really want to do or bring across. Yeah. But that has been the most difficult situation to deal with. And um, as I said, living in Anguilla, you, there's only 13,000 people. and everybody know you so you try to live a life that pleasing especially as a christian yeah. and you would behave in us in a manner but and you have people who behave like you but when you in a big country where you have so many people and people have from different backgrounds because in anguilla we don't have muslims we don't have a lot of different we don't have um different um ethnicity yeah yeah it's okay. just basically Anguillians, Kittishans, yeah. which is our close islands. And so people know each other, so they know how to adapt. But coming here, you find it very hard to um, maneuver between a different ethnicity yeah. and how to say things, because we'll say things. I remember when my boss said to me, oh, you're very abrupt, uh, forthright. And I said to her, actually, when we say things back home, we mean what we say. We don't say things and don't mean it. So <laughs> we, 
Yeah, so we, we, we tend to say, oh, you can't say that, you can't. For instance, I think one day I said something to a lady and she said, oh, you shouldn't say that is wrong. I said, but it's a compliment from back home. Yeah, yeah. And she said, oh, okay, but you shouldn't say it. I said, I understand, but um, it's not being rude. We said things as we see it. Yeah, we, yeah. Sounds like Jo could do with you uh, for some of her honesty telling. Yeah, and, but I find sometimes it's very hard because people say things that they don't really mean, yeah, and yeah. it's 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 not yeah. it's it's typically yeah. the wrong way. That how could you say that? And you, yeah. it's, that's not true. So I find it's it's very hard. Yeah. I remember one time my boss asked me to lie in a situation, and I went to him. I said, "Never put me in that situation again," because. It's wrong, and if you want to say it's fine with you, but do not put me in that situation. But it was to cover the company, and I felt wrong because it's yeah. not something we practice. We we try because I said I think it's because it's a small community, and if you're a Christian, you you know you're supposed to be honest. Yeah. So if you're being dishonest, everybody know that you are dishonest. Yeah. And if you have only thirteen thousand people, the whole thirteen thousand people know that you are dishonest. So you don't. <laughs> you yeah. Don't, game over. Yeah. yeah so, but yeah. if you're in England, in Birmingham, I probably could be say a little white line, nobody yeah. in see yeah, me yeah, again yeah. for the next six years. Yeah, 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 but yeah, in yeah. Anguilla, they will see you <laughs> every yes. day. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Shelley, um, just to unpack for us a little bit. Um, so there'll be things in a kind of unjust things sometimes maybe you see, you know, what's clinical, what's spiritual uh, in the kind of line of work that you're in. Do you want to just talk us through that side of things? Um, How you challenge that? What you bring to that? There are, it happens quite often where um, a patient will have their rotor, their, what their therapy will be for the whole of their treatment. If, you know, miracles do happen and 80% of everybody goes home, for those that don't, um, the rotors carry on until the last minute, literally the last minute, and the patient's request is never asked, um, do they want their spiritual leader to come, do they want communion, do they want their lash rites, whatever background they come from. It's, it doesn't come into play. So as staff, and for myself, I've had to say, you know, stop. We need to phone the 24-hour service. We need to get somebody here in the next half an hour while there's still time so that they can have communion, they can do what they need to do with their pastor before they pass away. And that does cause conflict because it's, it goes against the grain because it's not medical at all. But to that person, there's no medical stuff that's going to make any difference. That is the important thing that they need yeah. to leave this world knowing that they've done what they need to do spiritually. Yeah, and that must have a massive, take a massive toll on you. How, does, how do you keep strong in that? Um, for me, every day I read before I go to work um, some Jesuit writings by David O'Malley that are brilliant. And then on my way to work, I cycle, which is brilliant headspace. Um, and if you were behind me, you'd probably think I was bonkers because I spend my journey loudly 
thanking God for the moon that I can see and thanking them that I've got a bike that I can ride and that my legs work and, and being a cancer patient myself, thanking God that I'm alive, that I've woken up today, that I've got... And I think all that thanks every morning on my way to work does give me kind of battery power for the day to be able to function in the most horrifying situations. Yeah, yeah, that's that's brilliant. Um, What about others? What, how do you, what injustices have you come across that you've had to be a mouthpiece for or stand up for? Any situations where you've had to defend people or side with people? Go on, Joe. Um, I was thinking about this whole culture question. Okay, yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. Um, and just um, thinking actually, sometimes, you know, in a school, there's a culture that's sort of set and there's some things you have to do because that's the culture of the school and the culture of the organisation or whatever you work in. Um, and there's things, there's some flexibility that you can, you know, you can try and be positive if there's negativity, you can be supportive where there maybe isn't, um, you can be friendly to the person that, hasn't got friends, but maybe my biggest impact culturally to be countercultural is with my kids because there's three kids there who are going to go on and all have their own lives and all work, you know, their own friends. They're going to hopefully maybe go to university or they're going to go to jobs or whatever they do. And their sphere of influence is probably going to be bigger actually than me in my staff room with my um, colleagues. Um, and so we're just getting into um, Asher's 10. And it's really hard working out what things we need to make a stand about and what things we maybe have accepted, what things we grew up with that are different to what he's growing up with and we don't realise <laughs> um, the messages that he's getting that are different. And we just make assumptions about things that, of course, he knows that's right and that's wrong. But he might not know that that's right and that's wrong because he isn't getting that message from most people in his life. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's probably a massive challenge, actually. And, yeah. and I feel like it's my... Yeah, like I say, it's maybe my biggest area of influence that I can have, but also the one that I feel most at sea with in terms of how we navigate the whole thing. Yeah, navigate's a great word, isn't it? The... Um, out of the, obviously, we kind of come towards an end this morning. And out of all the prayers that we pray for people we know, as out of the, the way we live our lives, what opportunities have people had? You know, even simple opportunities, whether they've gone badly or well, um, to just to share kind of your faith with people. What opportunities have you seen or had opportunities to say something of? Anyone? Okay, I'll go again. Um, so I remember um, back, back in the day, probably about 20 years ago or something uh we i was in a band um we used to live together um and we had a friend who was also in the band not a christian um who lived with us um and she um banged her head one day um at a gig actually uh, a week later started seeing black spots and luckily for her because i think i would have just ignored it but she didn't and she went to the opticians um they rushed her to the hospital and she had two detached retinas both eyes um, and so she underwent surgery that very day. Um, you know, no one was there. We were all at work, and, you didn't, and we didn't have phones, and, you know. So um, uh, she went, underwent surgery and was blind, essentially, after that um, for quite a long time. And they did manage 
um, to fix her eyes. There was lots of operations, and she's still under consultant care. Um, during that time, she knew, I mean, we were very open about our Christian faith and everything. Um, and so there were three of us Christians in the house and two non-Christians. And so the three of us Christians said, Laura, do you want us to pray for you? And she said, yes, please. And so we all gathered around her. We, we laid hands. It felt like a massive thing that we were really putting ourselves out. And we were saying, you know, we're actually not just praying for her in another room, but with her about something really practical, really like, you know. So we prayed for her. And we prayed quite strong prayers, I seem to remember. You know, And I remember afterwards thinking, God, why didn't you just heal her right there and then? Why didn't you do that? Because that would have been such a massive witness to her. Mm. Um, and he, she did get better, uh, but not in the moment. It, wasn't, it didn't feel like a, a miracle. Um, many years later, she phoned me up and she said, Joe, I really want you to pray about this situation. I always remember, she said, and this totally blew me away at the time. She said, um, I remember you praying for me and I remember God healed me. Wow. And I was like, oh, that, I, that wasn't my reading of the situation. But it totally was hers. That's how she saw it, that, that we prayed for her and God healed her through, you know, yeah. operations and doctors yeah. and everything. Um, and so, yeah, that really, it shook me up. It made me think, oh gosh, I've got such a bad attitude towards things and not seeing the whole picture. Um, and the fact that that was the way she saw that situation. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah.